Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Naked Without Shame show with your hosts, Megan and Morgan. Today, we are going to be talking about the gift of self in the resurrection of the body. We're also going to propose that this idea of what the afterlife will be like matters for us in our experience now. Stay tuned for more as we continue. Open the clouds, open up your clouds to Hello. Hi. Do you love Jesus? Well, if you do, you might enjoy a trip to the Holy Lands. That's right, the very birthplace of Jesus Christ and where he did his ministries. I'm Nick Delatore with Awakened Catholic, and I am excited to announce the first ever Awakened Catholic pilgrimage. This is an amazing opportunity to go to the Holy Lands this year. And if you sign up before February 28th, you get a huge discount. The spiritual director for the trip is going to be Father Eric Shield from the Toledo Diocese. This is seriously a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to visit where Jesus was born, where he did the Sermon on the Mount, where he told Peter, dude, you're going to be the first pope. Like, all of these things, we're going to be there, where it happened. Multiplication of the loaves and fish, done. We're going to check it out. If you register before February 28th, 2021, then you get a huge discount. Take advantage of it. Take someone you love. This can be both spiritual and romantical. To learn more or to take advantage of that discount and sign up today, visit holylands.awakencatholic.org. I hope you'll join us. Before we get started, we just wanted to invite you to download the Awaken app. Um, the Awaken app is basically like a social media alternative, um, and you can get on and talk to people, chat with um, show hosts like Megan and myself, um, get access to prayers and all sorts of other really cool things. So um, just go to theawakenapp.io to download. Also, we would like to invite you to consider joining our patronage community. Uh, our patronage community is a group of people who support our podcast and our show directly. You can go to nakedwithoutshameshow.com to get more information, to see our list of shows and ways that you can support us. Okay, so... As I said, we are going to talk about the part of the Theology of the Body by John Paul II that discusses redeemed man or, you know, man in the experience of heaven, the afterlife. In the first part of the Theology of the Body, John Paul II talks about the three experiences of man and the third experience of redeemed man um, is one that I personally really like to think about. I love just musing about, uh, yeah, like our destiny in God and like where we're going, how we will experience love in, in our persons, in, in the resurrection of the body, um, in that state, it's going to be great. Yeah. Do you ever like, just like, uh, just rest in that thought, Morgan, of like, this is going to be so good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, to me, it's very mysterious. Okay. It's yeah. something, I mean, no, not in a bad way. I just think like, wow, what could that possibly be like? Um, we're going to all like be together, <laughs> loving each other perfectly, like loving God perfectly. And like, how will we, we'll love Christ totally and yet still love other people. Like that's always a big mystery to me. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not just like, sorry, I think the more traditional um, kind of classical notion of heaven is like, everyone's just kind of the vision of God, like the beatific vision, um, is you kind of just like in heaven and you're just like looking at God. Um, and like, 
that's really beautiful. But then I think that also in um, more modern times, like theologians have sort of started to speculate, like it's going to be more like an interactive thing where it's like you see God, but you see God in like creation in other people. And like Christ is all in all, all this crazy stuff. So for me, I think, yeah, it's one of my most, one of my most favorite things to um, think about. Also yeah. study. I love studying it in school. Mm-hmm. It's just so cool. Yeah. yeah, it is so cool. One thing I really like to think about is, yeah, just like the the peace that will be experienced, like just this rest, like no more tears, no more like struggle. But but in our last episode, like we talked about, like this just finding this fulfillment in our meaning and existence in God. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is just really something to look forward to a lot and just like rest in. But also this notion of like, yeah, like we will not be without our bodies in the end of time. You know, as Christians, like we're we're special in that we believe that the resurrection of our bodies is real because Christ resurrected. Mm-hmm. So once again, like the body, the importance of the body, the importance of, of understanding ourselves as a body matters for the afterlife too. Right. Um, and that we will experience like this real harmony between our bodies and our spirits. There's not going to be this restlessness. There's not going to be this suffering or, you know, the, the process of death or um, temptations, but just a total like experience of who we're meant to be mm-hmm. as God created us. Yeah. And yeah. that, that to me sounds great. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So one point I think we want to stress about this talk and in, in as we're musing about like the resurrection, the body and uh, yeah, what life will be like in the afterlife. Um, we want to think about why this matters now for us, because we can like get caught up in the joy of the idealism. And historically, Morgan, if I'm not mistaken, like Christians were kind of blamed for that. Like you, all you do is live for the afterlife. Like you don't care about the body. You don't care about the world now. Mm -hmm. All you do is live for this experience that you're hoping for. Yeah. That was Friedrich Nietzsche's big accusation against Christianity. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it became very, very popular after Mm -hmm. that to, to think that way about Christianity. I think it's still very prevalent um, today. Yeah. Like a hyper-spiritualized existence. Yeah, like you don't care about the world, you don't care about like beauty, you don't care about art, you just care about the afterlife. And that's yeah. all you live for. Yeah. And so you're not even like really present to people here or you're only doing or you're only being good or doing like charitable things because you want to get to the afterlife. Yeah. Which is kind of like using people <laughs> and bad, like it's kind of like using the yeah. things. It's kind of out of order there. Yeah. Well, it kind of makes sense to me though, Maureen, that People would would think that because when we do contemplate the afterlife, like we're not there yet, right? Like we're not there yet. However, I think the point that we want to make in this talk is that we don't have to like necessarily think of this experience so far over there, but we can understand it now yeah. in the world as a proper understanding of like the Christian experience in the redemption of our bodies in this life. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what we want to talk about, right? Yeah. The gift of self, how to, how to like achieve that. Yeah. How to like reclaim the world and the body in, yeah, like our life now. And what the, yeah, what the resurrection of the body has to do with our life now, like mm-hmm. what you're saying, what it has to yeah. do with like our um, experience of the world 
mm-hmm. uh, our experience of other people and our, yeah, basically our enjoyment of the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of what I, that's my big point. Mm-hmm. Something that I really discovered um, in the past couple of years, especially of like this, um, this understanding of like, we call it the eschaton. That's like the fancy word for the afterlife. Um in heaven, um, that this experience of like the eschatological, um, influences and actually can be like foretasted here. And that makes me, um, not only like be cool with the world, like it's fine, like not hate the world. Cause that was also the big thing is like, they, they thought Christians hated the world and there is like, it's a misunderstanding. Cause like you, the Bible does say that like, you should hate the world kind of like it has language like that, but that's not what it means. And we can explain later, but, um, yeah, that it's not even just that like we're okay with the world, but we love the world. Like we really deeply are able to be present and enjoy um, the world. Mm-hmm. So that's because like- of the because of this mm-hmm. presence of um, basically Christ in the world. This marriage of heaven and earth that Christ is in His person. Okay. So what you're saying then is like the first point we need to understand is that experiencing the like the eschaton calls for an understanding and embracing the world right now. Yes. That's, that's how we find it. It's not in closing off the world from us and just speculating, but it's actually entering into it. How, how do we, how do we do that? How do we enter into the world and experience something of like a redemption? How does the world redeem us? Good question. (laughs) I think the first, I mean, the simple answer that we can unpack is Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, I like that answer. Yeah. Like the world, (laughs) the world can't save itself. The world in and of itself. Yeah. It's beautiful, but it's, I mean, ultimately without, without Christ, without this given meaning, um, without it having its source in God, it's, um, it's kind of meaningless. It is meaningless. Mm. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, in order to have this like real, I mean, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of an interesting thing because like people like, you know, Nietzsche, like this, you know, philosopher who like really says that he embraces the world and like wants the pleasure, like all these amazing things like about the world that that he says Christians just like, you know, cast to the side. He ends up like being, you know, the nihilist. He ends up kind of like ultimately thinking everything's meaningless. And he also like tragically ends up going crazy at the end of his life. Um, and it's, yeah, I mean, yeah, like that's kind of where this ends, this, this way of thinking, like it, it might, might appear like you're embracing the world in the beginning because you're just kind of going with your passions and like doing what you want. And it's like this very like, um, yeah, just passionate thing. Um, but you end up kind of losing things. You end up losing the beauty of the world because it doesn't, doesn't have anywhere to go. I mean, it, it's, it's just, it ends in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, Another thought I was having while you were talking is that the, the world to, to be like redeemed in this life, right. To, to be redeemed in this life starts with, yeah, being in touch with like the physical. I think I like, I keep saying that, but like, mm. it's, it's true to like not embrace the world as gift Right. And as given a meaning by God as gift for us to enjoy, to us to dwell in, would make us less of ourselves and therefore keep us from redemption. Yeah. Like keep us from really being man fully alive. 
Right. 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 Yeah, I mean, and that's that's why Christ comes is to make yeah. man fully Himself. Yeah, to yeah. make Him like God. I mean, that's the Christ yeah. became man so that man could become God. That's I think. Gosh, I should know this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's with Church Father, very important. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's kind of take another step and talk about how. Well, first, what is redemption? Like, what is redeemed man? I mean, we talked a little bit about, like, union of body and soul, kind of in harmony, union with God. But, like, what practically could that be like? The more that we embrace the world and and love it and love ourselves, mm-hmm. love our bodies, like, how does that yeah, make us, like, fully alive? I'm, I'm thinking of John Paul II here. Like a man fully alive. Yeah. Um, somebody who understood the importance of the body, wrote about it, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, like was really alive. How, like, how are we redeemed? By, in, like, by seeing the importance of the role of the world here and now for achieving like redemption now mm-hmm. and not just waiting for the afterlife, but re- achieving it now. Yeah. How do we do that? Like, yeah. what, is, what is something that we can look for in our own journeys where we can see, oh, yeah, that's a step. I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. Mm-hmm. I'm understanding more. Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing we want to say is the sacraments. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's number one. The sacraments is like the continuation of the presence of Christ, the incarnation of Christ in the world today. Um, and so it's like I was saying before, like it's this marriage of heaven and earth. And it's literally how this happens. Like this doesn't just happen by like, oh, we go around and like meditate on the world and look how beautiful it is. Like you can do that without Christ. And it doesn't have like this, it doesn't have this like meaning behind it. It's just kind of like, again, like I was saying with um, Nietzsche, it's kind of this just passion experience, but it doesn't really go anywhere. It doesn't have any basis. Um, So I think the first thing is that it's it's actually something that's happened. Christ, God became man. Mm -hmm. And that presence of Christ continues through the church. Um, throughout history. And so that's, that's where it has to start. Like it's, it's through grace. It's through this grace of the sacraments that we begin to have this taste of the afterlife of Mm -hmm. heaven, of our ultimate um, destiny Mm -hmm. in um, the world. Okay. So it starts there and then it goes outward. So like I receive Christ in the sacraments, in the Eucharist, in confession. um, And I, take that that experience of Christ and I bring it to my experience of everything. I, I begin to see him, Christ, in everything, in other people, mm-hmm. I think first and foremost, and then even in like in beauty, in creation, in the sunset, in music, in a beautiful movie. Like I, this, this taste of like something greater of this, mm-hmm. this infinite that is God becomes something that I, I experience everywhere actually. And that is, that's, that's a, like a fully redeemed person. Mm. Uh, like you're saying like someone like John Paul II, I mean, like his sensitivity for Christ is just like outstanding. It's just constantly not, I mean, not even just, I mean, we, people would say like, you know, we talked about on our show before with Jason Everett, like he had this like insane, like sensitivity to the presence yeah. of the Eucharist. Like mm-hmm. he would know if there was the Eucharist like behind a closed door and could like yeah, sense it 
crazy. But also like, so there's that, like the sacramental, but then also just like he, his, like what people talk about his ability to be present to a person or to a situation. Like that's, that's the grace from the sacraments. That's not something he's doing by his own power. It's not because he's just like super good at meditation or something, Mm -hmm. but he's, it's a grace that he's received and he's kind of allowing to permeate his entire experience of the world. So kind of as you're talking, it makes me think of like the beatific vision, like kind of Mm -hmm. adopting the beatific vision, which uh, they say like is the vision of, of God in heaven. Like you will see God. So like almost acquiring that on earth, like it's possible to start to see God more and more and have the sensitivity to God and everything yeah. is what you're saying. That's yeah. so good. Yeah. And it's a foretaste. It's not the fullness. And we have to mm-hmm. also recognize that like we're here on earth, um, still broken, still kind of crippled in our ability to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a, it's something that we can begin to taste. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a promise really. So in the the resurrection there's also going to be this like virginal dimension too right yeah so just explain what we mean by virginal (laughs) what you said (laughs) um what do we mean by virginal virginal Um, doesn't mean like being a virgin it means like having this um this disposition of um basically giving oneself totally to God. So it means virgin in like the more classical sense when you say someone's a, you know, a consecrated virgin, like that means that they've given themselves to God um, totally Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and forsaking um, marriage. I mean, you can, it's complicated because you can have a virginal disposition even when you're married, but Mm -hmm. the the kind of the, the sign of that is this um, being totally consecrated to God Mm -hmm. basically. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, that's another I guess way like thing to see in the world that points us to oh yes the afterlife is real as well right to um to to have like a virginal disposition yes but also like that there are people like you said like consecrated virgins who point us to this this end this this virginal experience this virginal state in the afterlife right 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 so that's kind of yeah another just another sign yeah yeah absolutely yeah being being virginal, totally for God, that to some people who are listening might be like, hmm, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds, sounds interesting. Like what is, what is the beauty of, I guess like the, the virginal life. So that we do have images of people who have given their lives to God Mm -hmm. in an order, um, through the priesthood, through, um, yeah, like consecrated virginity mm-hmm. because there is the possibility, like there, there is the possibility and the, the reality of that to come. Mm-hmm. How are, how are they, I dare to ask, how are they not living in what we were calling like this speculative yeah. state of like, oh, That's I'm, really I'm just gonna, question. I'm gonna live for, you know, the afterlife, but it almost seems like I'm rejecting the bodily experience. I have to just suffer in this life, but in the afterlife, like I'm going to be like super blessed because of this. Like, I think that's often a very common misunderstanding. I think even, I mean, I think a lot of what we're talking about with this is um, kind of particular to Protestantism, like Mm -hmm. Puritanism specifically that kind of rejects the physical world Mm -hmm. as um, totally outside of the scope of redemption. 
Um, but it's it's something that's definitely permeated Catholicism too. Mm-hmm. This understanding that like to give yourself totally to God is just kind of like the suffering that you embrace. And it's like, cool, but like, it's mm-hmm. not making you happy. It's not allowing you to yeah. be more present. Like we're saying more present in the world, more present to people. It's this like kind of rejection. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. John Paul II in, in the theology, of the body text talks about the renunciation for mm-hmm. someone like he, he spins it in a positive way. So renunciation for, yes, I got it. yes. So yeah, I, I think to bring like the, yeah, this, this positive for like gift of self for the sake of something else in the renunciation keeps it from fall keeps us from falling into this. Like, yeah, the body's bad or, um, this is, this is lesser than what I'll experience in heaven. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to reject it. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you, if we understand that the body is ultimately for God, it it makes sense that some people are called to that now. Yeah. Yeah. And that it's possible to experience that joy now. Right. Right. And it is a renunciation. I mean, we have to recognize that it's a suffering to give up I mean, we were talking about in our last podcast, like marriage, this like this desire to become like a spouse, like in the sort of physical um, reality of it is like very intense. And like it, you know, it means something it should be. It's a beautiful thing that you're you're giving up. Um, Yeah, but it's it's just so um, Luigi Giussani, one of my favorite um, theologians, he kind of talks about it as like you. So when you're looking at a painting Maybe I think other people have used this example. When you look at a painting, like you, to really enjoy it, you have to have a distance from it. You can't just be like right up next to it and say like, oh, this is really beautiful. You have to have like some distance space between you and the painting in order to like really enjoy it. And that's his analogy um, with virginity is that like there's a renunciation. Like I have to I have to separate myself. I have to kind of give this up basically um, to a certain extent. Um, but like in doing that, I allow myself this distance that gives me more actually access to the beauty of the person. And that's how you can have like, at the same time, this renunciation and this, like, it's actually more of an embracing of, of people. Um, Hmm. does that make sense? I think so. Yeah. I get, I get the analogy of like, you step back to see more of the beauty. Mm -hmm. Do you have any other thoughts on like? that that more dimension of like how you can experience somebody in a more beautiful way by by consecrating yourself to virginity in this life yeah and i think that, again like not to say this is mutually exclusive to someone that is a consecrated virgin because this is actually something that we're all called to mm-hmm. um but the person who um forsakes marriage for the sake of the kingdom mm-hmm. um they they sacrifice this sort of like more physical, like um, more intense dimension of the relationship. Um, they're not, they're not sexually involved. They're not spousally involved with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that's obviously like a sacrifice, but in doing that, like the person is actually able and, and more free to embrace um, who the person is in their entirety. Like, I don't, I don't want something from you anymore. And I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to like, kind of like smooth talk you and like whatever, make myself look cool to you so that you'll like me, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm free to be myself and allow you also to be yourself and, and to be free mm-hmm. in front of me. 
And so I'd say that like what it creates is like this total freedom in a relationship and that like I, I care, I truly care about you and your destiny. And that's, yeah. that's first and foremost. Um, and that anything that might get in the way of that is, is renounced. It's yeah, it's, it's mm-hmm. forsaken for the sake of this greater, like, um, Jasani is his, one of his big phrases is you have a greater possession in your detachment. So I actually really can possess another person in my detachment from them and recognizing you're not mine. I don't own you. I don't grasp at you, but mm-hmm. you're gods. And like, and then I can see your full beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, this is not at all something that's p- purely for the, just the consecrated version. I mean, this is something that, again, we're all called to with, with in all of our relationships, like not just with mm-hmm. spouses, but also with like our children, uh, also with like our friends. Like, yeah. Right. But, but what you're saying is that the disposition of, the person who has vowed to virginity is is signifying that reality to us. Yes. It's, it's the person who yeah. is is signifying that this is the objective reality for the future in the afterlife now here on earth. And that's what we're all made for. Yeah. And, and this is, as they've said, like this is the ob- objectively greater calling because that is what we will all experience. Yes. While marriage is is good and also a, a, a symbol of something of the afterlife, right? Um, a, a more intense for, in the end, like for God, a participation in an intimacy with, with God and with each other. It's different, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're both good and they're both different, but the virgin shows like what we're all going to experience in this like I, I love you at this distance and I, I see who you are and I, I affirm who you are mm-hmm. very intensely as for, as for God. Yeah. Yeah, so. exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's good. And I think that like, yeah, I, I've had that experience. And I think like a lot of us have had that experience of like someone who has totally given their lives to God, like really kind of mysteriously is able to like know me better than anyone else, even if they don't know me very well, like if you've ever met like a super holy priest and you just like go to confession once and like, oh my gosh, they just read my soul. Like, how is that possible? I mean, that's, that's what virginity is. It's this like, again, this like, I'm detached from you. I'm going to sort of like, I've given myself totally to God. There's this exclusivity in my relationship with God, Mm -hmm. but that then allows me to like be super present to people and to understand people and know people in a way that like you could never imagine. I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's an, it's an incredible experience to to be with someone like that so i think it's yeah testament like this is real stuff yeah there's so many people who have achieved that that redemption here that experience of their person here Um, so many we could say one that's coming to mind was of course john paul ii i think a lot of people would say that he had this capacity for people because he was a priest he was you know in the virginal state his whole life and so he was able to um, yeah, just know God when he was totally for God, know him so well to be that present to others. I think we could keep going, but I think what we're going to do is uh, wait till the next episode to continue with another thought on why there is no marriage in heaven. So that's a little cliffhanger. <laughs> Yes. Tune in next time uh, as we explore more of the theology of the body and the gift of self in the resurrection. We'll talk more about why Christ says there is no marriage in heaven. Mm.